Hello, friends, and thank you for joining us for another week of Tales from the Tailgate. My name is Rob Christian, joined again by Alex Christian, Bo Parker, and Matt Reed, Auburn. Matt, guys, I hope everyone out there is having a better day than I am today. I'm sitting here with you, and I'm drinking a beer and chasing that with a glass of just rumplements. So that kind of explains how my day has gone. But I hope you all are doing quite well. Uh, it is Wednesday night for us. It will be late Wednesday or Thursday or post-Thursday when you hear this. So it's been about a week since Thanksgiving. Guys, how was everyone's Thanksgiving? It was about as good as it can be. Perhaps drank too much, but otherwise it was great. Drank too much, ate too much. But what are you going to do? Happy Thanksgiving. Pretty good time. I made the turkey. It, went, it looked uh, pretty good. Watched the Lions get their shit pushed in. And watched Dallas, you know, lay an egg, essentially. So it was pretty good. It was a great day. I ended up spending the vast majority of the next day uh, locked in the bathroom. So, yeah, definitely great day. Whenever that happens, you know, you ate good. So, uh, yeah, pretty calm Thanksgiving. Yeah, well, I got one for you. I've been, I've been doing an informal poll. How many of y'all actually had turkey for Thanksgiving this year? I did. I did. Yeah. Really? All three of y'all? Yep. Did what you I'm thinking is that 25% turkey rate. No, we had spaghetti and meatballs. Are you serious? That sounds like something you would do. God. <laughs> I mean, there's a pandemic, and we weren't really with family, but so I've heard family. people eat. Uh, I've heard people that eat, eat like lobster or ham, but I haven't heard of spaghetti. But maybe I should try that next year. It was a new one for me, but it was pretty good. No, I've heard of lasagna. I've heard of gumbo. Never spaghetti and meatballs, but you know what? I'll try it. Hey, what do you mean? What do you mean? Wait, it's who a pandemic? On Have you ever been to the state of Louisiana? Yeah. They eat gumbo on Thanksgiving. <laughs> That's crazy. I thought I would. I would have thought they would eat crawfish on Thanksgiving. It's out of season. No, man, out of season. That's true. Dude, get your shit. What do you mean yeah. it's a? But what do you mean it's a pandemic? Does that mean the turkeys can't? We can't have turkey. Well, Trump pardoned the turkeys. Everyone does that. Yeah. Wait, did he pardon both of them or just one, corn or cob? I think he pardoned both this year. A couple of years ago, he, like, did a poll, and and he sent one of them to the gallows. But I think this year he pardoned them both. He was feeling bad. I was really hoping for that. But, hey, if he freed both turkeys, next one, Joe Exotic. Keep pardoning. Absolutely. Yeah, who was the first president to pardon the turkey? I'm pretty sure I know the answer. Kennedy? Hey Alexa. Around uh I'm pretty sure it was George H. W. Bush. Yeah, Clinton Clinton could take down a few. Yeah, H- yeah, it was H W. I just Googled it. I cheated. <laughs> the, the Iowa Turkey Lobby or something created the tradition, I think, right? You would definitely know more about that than me, even though you don't know that you're supposed to eat the turkey. It's something like that. But going from (laughs) eating turkey, Alex, you called me up earlier today 
and had some interesting news from uh, what tries to be an NFL staple, B-dubs. Yeah, we have breaking news from the world of chicken wings, which, you know, you don't really get that much. But B-dubs, Buffalo Wild Wings, rolling out four new wing flavors and guys for the rest of the season. Which of these are you in on, out on, and why? We have orange chicken, blazing Carolina Reaper, lemon pepper, and pizza. Guys, thoughts. T-Rob, you are our resident wing expert. I yield the floor to you. Yeah, I, I absolutely love wings. I've been talking with our thick-ass sponsor, Sleeveless Jay, you know, for the past few weeks, so I'm glad that you brought this up, that if you could really eat just one food for the rest of your life, I'd be very tempted to make a chicken wings because there's so many things you can do with it. You can make it taste like whatever you want. Not saying that I would make it taste like anything that wild, but orange chicken, I feel like I would rather just go get orange chicken at, like, a Chinese place. Blazing Carolina Reaper, that is very, very interesting to me. That is the number one seed for me on this list because lemon pepper, lemon pepper is a very good, is a very good wing, but you can get lemon pepper or you should be able to get lemon pepper anywhere already. So if B-dubs is this late to the game, I don't want their lemon pepper wings. And then pizza, just eat a pizza. Like I don't want my chicken to taste like pizza. I could go to so somewhere I, and get a pizza for much cheaper than making my wings taste like pizza. I think I broadly agree with that, but before I answer, I got to ask, does this mean B-Dub sponsors this now? Because that's going to change my answer significantly. They do not. They do not. We would not let them. Then most of these are trying way too hard. Complete flop. Pizza especially. I would underscore all of what you said, Rob. What the heck, what, what does it even look like? Are they going to put like little pepperonis around the wing? Like, I don't understand. I, I did see a picture and it looks like a wing. There is no pizza, anything remotely close to it. Now, maybe if you could just start wrapping wings in pepperoni, that might be good. Now, yeah, there I might be on board. Now, Matt. I've heard. Uh, I don't know. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's let Bo finish up because this this looks good. So, so what what you just said reminded me of this. There's a place in Philadelphia where they they make the Philadelphia cheesesteak, but instead of using bread like a roll, they use pizza. They wrap the cheesesteak in pizza. So perhaps if that's what they're doing with the wings, if you're using like a boneless wing and wrapping it in pizza, maybe that could work. No, it's it's a wing. <laughs> it's a bone-in wing flavored like pizza. All right, Matt, go ahead. I have no interest. I'm never trying that shit. Uh, well, I mean, boneless wings are just chicken nuggets, so I like the real actual in the bone. I would say, you know, maybe the number one seed in this would be Blazing Carolina Reaper for sure. I love hot stuff. Um, I mean, I, I love, like, you know, buffalo wings. I like, I've even had ghost pepper wings before, you know, I couldn't, couldn't, I couldn't feel my mouth for like an hour afterwards, but it was worth it. Lemon pepper just feels like down in the South, we have Publix at most places. And it's just like, I think, I feel like that's a little passe, but I mean, it's solid. 
And then the pizza, I think probably all, all they probably do is put like MSG all over it, like just like they do the uh, those uh, Pringles. They have pizza flavored Pringles. It's probably the same kind of thing. They just roll that into some kind of you know salt, like uh, like that kind of flavored like pizza. I'd say that you know Blazing Carolina Reaper, but I'd be down to try them all. I mean, who who doesn't love just eating wings and then like crushing beers at B Dubs before you know back when they were really good, it was really cool. Now that's kind of like eh. There's a couple better places now, but. I mean, I'm down to try them all. I feel More like than a couple, the, and I'm not changing that stance till they sponsor it. I feel like the Blazing Carolina Reaper is kind of overstating the real, the real hotness of it. I don't think it's going to live up to that name, to be honest. But I did want to lead into this, though. I think we kind of get Bo's general feeling on it, but from you know a chain perspective, everyone's got their like local wing spot that they you know that they swear by or your college wing spot where you can just get cheap wings. I know I have that. I know Bo had that. I'm sure they had one at Auburn, too. But from a chain perspective, do you think B-Dubs has the best wings? And if not, who do you think does? I know what the answer is. I know Alex knows the answer, too. And I know I've been to one with Bo. So we should know what the answer is. That's that's my opinion, Alex. I think it's yours, too, but I'll let you go into it. Yeah, no, there's absolutely only one answer to this. And I'm hoping Bo is on the same page, but the answer is pluckers. And if you have any other wing preference, you're out of your damn mind, or you have never been to a pluckers. It is game over, the best place. You want to talk about sauces? You want to talk about the best couple? I mean, they got Dr. Pepper wings. They got maple chipotle wings. They've got fire in the hole wings that will blow out your butthole. You got Gold Rush. It, this place is out of control. And the Cajun dry rub, good God. It, I could... I'm not even a big wing fan. But whenever you go to Pluckers... You just sit down and you just gorge. It, it, it's it's the best place in the world. And just to note, Pluckers also and Nobo Pluckers does not sponsor us either, but they are more than welcome to. Yeah, Pluckers, this is one free ad. Pluckers, one free ad is for Pluckers. Pluckers this is doesn't next week. We don't like them anymore. Pluckers doesn't just have <laughs> lemon pepper; they have spicy lemon pepper which is automatically better than whatever B-Dubs is going to put out there. And they have a policy that you can get any menu item tossed in any rub or sauce, no matter what you have ordered. Wow. I mean, that's a no-brainer. I'm going to just start calling the B-Dubs the, the mild lemon pepper. It's, yes. just, it's just the weenie lemon pepper. You could get a salad like, heck tossed in lemon pepper or fire in the hole sauce. I don't know if you want to add roughage to the fire in the hole, but if that's your prerogative, you are more than welcome to do it, but you really have to be in the Texas or Louisiana area to experience that. But any other ones? I mean, there's Hooters, Wingstop, anything else that you all can think of? Wingstop fries are dope. Good Cajun fries. I'll say that. They're good. That's their one free ad. I think for like fast food wings, Axby's is pretty solid, but that's another category. 
Like, we're talking about like sit down restaurant type stuff. So definitely, you know, I, last time I went to Pluckers with you guys and I was drunk all day from tailgating at Baton Rouge. So I don't really remember that so much, but yeah, I, I remember it was really good though. That's about when you have to go to Pluckers is after you've been tailgating all day. But as much as I love talking about wings, I already mentioned that we are recording on Wednesday night and we get something that we haven't seen in quite a while. I think it happened a few times in the early 30s. I don't know when the most recent one was, but Wednesday afternoon football, guys. Steelers, by the time we're recording this, have defeated the Baltimore Ravens. Steelers now 11-0. and One of the things that, I mean, I've heard that it wasn't a very interesting game. I was coming from work and getting stuff done and set up before the show, so I did not get to see it, but I did see some highlights. Number one, it's good to see Chris Collinsworth on a Wednesday, so thank you for that, NBC. And two, Trace McSorley threw a touchdown pass to Hollywood Brown. Yeah, he sure did. First one of his career, and Hollywood absolutely shook the Pittsburgh defender. Uh, granted, it was in space, and he absolutely should have done exactly what he did. Um, but that brought Baltimore back into a very ugly game that featured four turnovers in the first quarter. It, it was just sad. I mean, this was not a fun game to watch. It was sloppy, but you now what can you expect on on a Wednesday afternoon? I love that you brought up the historic element. They used to play a lot of games on Wednesdays. In fact, the first ever night game in NFL history was played on a Wednesday. Do you know what the two teams were? It was in 1929. The I know. Chicago Cardinals. Uh, the St. Louis Browns. A team that doesn't exist anymore. Yes. The Providence Steamroller. Like Manheim Steamroller? Steamroller. The Providence Steamroller. So just like Manheim. Yes. Manheim Steamroller. Yes. Christmas season, get it. Just like Manheim Steamroller. Wow. <laughs> what a what a, what two places to put together. Chicago mm-hmm. and Providence. That's who I want to see play football. Yeah, they, they were talking about uh this being the longest week in NFL history, uh, 110 plus hours between first kickoff and end of the last game. I, I, I don't think this is ever going to be broken, guys. This is a this is a record that is going to be tough to beat. So it's like the Cal Ripken games played. Yeah, like mathematically, it's almost impossible to do this. In a calendar week. Yeah, true. Somewhat sad, though. They should have kicked off later. What's with this 3 o'clock kickoff? I was, we had to light a Christmas tree, dude. I was <laughs> all about it until I got called in meetings. So I'm, I'm actually kind of glad that I did not get that. But as we finish off the NFL week on a Wednesday, before we get to towards Thursday night football, do we even have Thursday night football tomorrow? Uh, no. We have a college game tomorrow, I think. Even I don't even think so. I think we have Friday night games in college, and we've got two Monday night games in the NFL. 
Yeah, we have. Uh, we have no games, no NFL games tomorrow on the third, and then we have. We have Louisiana Tech at North Texas and Air Force at Utah State tomorrow. Who gives a shit? Exactly. Yeah, the, the CBS. <laughs> unless, unless, unless you're a, unless you're in the betting world, then you know those are always pretty best bets. You can figure it out. The CBS Sportsnet doubleheader tomorrow. I don't know if I'm going to make it to those, but you know we'll see. But like I said, we're finishing off NFL week. We'll get started on college tomorrow. But as we go back and look at the week that was Thanksgiving weekend, guys, uh, Mississippi, center of the college football world sometimes, maybe not this year, but Ole Miss took down Mississippi State in a first-year matchup of Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach. The egg comes back to Oxford. It was it, it was at times seemed like Kiffin was playing a little too cute with the offense. I do think that is true. I think he was trying to, you know, do some stuff that we hadn't done before, and we stretch it out a little too longer than we would have really liked to, but that is the Ole Miss way, and we almost came crashing down towards the end of the game, and we we call it just we are Ole Miss or we are Ole Miss moment. So we almost got that, came down to the last play of Mississippi State trying to tie it. But, yeah, the Rebs come out on top. But on the other side of it, so two of us here are pretty happy with the weekend. The other two, not so much with the Iron Bowl, Auburn, and Alabama. Alex? I don't want to say a goddamn word about that game. All right, moving on. Still in the SEC, though, Kyle Pitts. I got to watch every snap of the Florida-Kentucky game. I'll get to a little bit more on that later on. But Kyle Pitts is the best tight end in college football. Alex, you're tempted to say he might be the best tight end you've ever seen in college. I don't know if I'd go that far, but I really don't know who to put up there with him. Um, Vandy sucks. Vandy really sucks. I was all about Sarah Fuller getting a shot out there on the field, but Vanderbilt is so bad. Vanderbilt is so bad. They could not even get her on the field. She would have been required, if she were going to be the starting kicker, she would have been required to be on the field one time, and that's all she got because they lost 41 to nothing to Missouri. And, Alex, I want to revisit how you said that, what was that, plus one or that minus one spread? Yeah, that had to be ESPN messing up. Yeah, I, I because don't Because otherwise, otherwise, 41 nothing. that's the greatest beat of all time. Um, I saw some lines going off after kickoff, and I don't know if they were adjusted lines at minus 14, but uh, Mizzou, whatever it was, we knew that was going to be the end. Yeah, I, I, 14 is what I saw on the day of the game. Looking elsewhere, I think this was a Friday game. Notre Dame had to go down to North Carolina. Kept it close for a while, but then they pulled it out by 14, so they get the road win there as they continue to go through an actual attempted ACC schedule. Iowa State beat both Oklahoma and Texas this year. I had Iowa State this last time. Great uh, finish to the game with... Texas missing a game-tying field goal on senior day. Kicker the kicker. At home. 
rough one for them. I think I, Tom Herman's got to be out now, right? I'm pretty sure they're going to, I don't know, everybody, had, everybody that I've seen said, like, they're going to try to throw the bank at Urban Meyer, but I don't think he's coming back either. He said he would come back for Notre Dame. And then the only other two jobs I could see him taking would be like USC or Texas, but I'm pretty sure he turned down the USC job. Out in the great Pacific Northwest, the Civil War, that's not the Civil War anymore. Oregon State in the extremely foggy conditions in Corvallis upsets Oregon. That was a big one. I had Oregon State in that one as well. Michigan State, how about them? Michigan State, Matt. Yeah, it was a it was an awful day to be Auburn, Matt, but it was a good day to be MSU, Matt. This last week, um, they 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 knocked off number eight Northwestern, which I didn't think they were going to do. They almost lost it when they when they threw that interception, but then that guy fumbled it, and they were able to score again. Um, and then you know, I think it was like the same day or the day before they knocked off what I think was you know they. Ohio State always makes it to the Frozen Four, which is hockey's collegiate hockey's version of a Final Four. They beat um, they beat Ohio State, you know, at Ohio State in Columbus, and then they they beat Northwest. I mean, they beat um, Notre Dame in basketball. And yesterday they knocked off Duke at like uh, they went on the road and beat Duke at their own house um, in basketball too. So it's been a really interesting couple of days to be a Spartan fan. I mean. They were trending down for a while in a lot of sports. I think they're starting to get their act together. So, pretty happy about that. Not so happy how Auburn got crushed by the Zags and lost to UCF. Now I got to hear all this UCF bullshit again. So, it's not oh, too man. good. They lost that game? Yeah. And you had to, you had to go to overtime to beat uh, St. Joe's. Yeah, they're all. They're, I mean, Auburn has like all new starters on basketball, which they're, they're supposedly higher ranked talent than what they've had in the past, but, I mean, they're all, like, 18 years old, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, I think there's some, there's some big recruits that are kind of having some issues there with Auburn basketball. Ole Miss basketball got the itis, for, so they canceled their tournament. But, you know, SEC basketball hopefully going to get into full swing soon. Staying in the Big Ten along with you, uh, Ohio State, they might – they might be done with their chances getting games canceled and you know their strength of schedule is absolutely abysmal so they might actually not have a chance to make the conference championship or the playoffs which i would definitely love that and then also the last one that we wanted to get to in the big 10 man michigan losing to 0 and 5 penn state by double digits by the way so that's extra fun for anyone who is not a fan of Michigan or the Big Ten. And then we did get another head coach fired this past week, Derek Mason, after I believe it was like seven years after he followed up for James Franklin, is finally gone after the shutout loss to Missouri. Guys, anything else from, you know, uh, a relatively eventful week uh, spread out over... Friday and Saturday. I'd just like to lodge my official protest that BYU is ranked 13th. Thank you. Second. Uh, I'm surprised how, how well the Chanticleers are doing. The Coastal Carolina. A little uh, 
kind of shocking to me. Like a Sun Belt team would be ranked that high, but you know, see what happens. And college game day is going there this this coming week, so I'm pumped for that. I wish that there could be fans there. I wish that it could be just the crazy Coastal Carolina people with all their mullets, and then the evangelical crowd from Liberty just intermingling and seeing what happens. Uh, just a one great drunk game of mini golf. I could see that going down so hard in Myrtle Beach. Jerry That's where Falwell. they play the, uh, the mini golf Masters every year, right? Yeah. Yeah. They're Orlando. Yeah, I was about to say, did they take it away from Orlando? No, they they do play in Orlando. Maybe that's the uh, maybe that's the U.S. Open, and Myrtle Beach has the Masters. Mm, yeah, that's probably. Right. I don't know those two groups. Bring Jerry Falwell Jr. down there with his wife, and then that guy who like looks in the corner. Uh, not the pool boy. Not yeah. the pool boy. Uh too soon. See them out there under the tent. Whoa. Hey, there's pending litigation. We got to be careful on this one. Yeah, allegedly. Bo's, our, Bo's got us. He's our legal protection. Although I asked him a question about copyright law earlier, and he was less than helpful. But he he might know some people. I'll call my lawyer. That's you know that was my list for that was my list my rundown you know for college. Uh, unless we have anything else, uh, I think Alex wanted to take us into the NFL. Yeah, no. So Thanksgiving weekend in the NFL is always a great holiday and as is tradition the lions and the cowboys both got absolutely stuffed on thanksgiving with houston and washington cruising to turkey day victories a practice squad wide receiver completed the pass for the broncos and that was it as the saints marched all over virus riddled denver also what the hell happened to the raiders uh, who are these guys that beat the Chiefs that just got blown out by Atlanta? That is a very bad look in a team in dire straits and probably going to miss the playoffs. Anthony Lynn, in our next coach to be fired, and we will talk about Adam Gase here in a little bit, Anthony Lynn actually should be fired before Adam Gase. And that would be the best thing that could ever happen for Justin Herbert because Anthony Lynn. Dude, it's what, 40 games now that you've lost by less than a touchdown? Get the fuck out of town. Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown dismantled the Colts, and they are probably the most dynamic and dangerous combination of players in the league on offense, with the exception of Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. And Tyreek Hill had the greatest first quarter in NFL history. Seven catches, 203 yards, two tutters. He added six more catches and another TD to go for 57.9 fantasy points in the Chiefs' win over the Bucks. That, I think Jamal Charles is the only person, also a Chief, only person to have ever beaten that. I Somebody would have to fact-check that, but I'm pretty sure. The Giants, Vikings, Pats, Niners, and Browns all won by three or fewer points. 
Aaron Rodgers, like I said last week, to me, he and Mahomes, 1A, 1B, best quarterbacks in the league. He dissected the Bears on Sunday, not that that's all that hard. And then the Eagles got a ridiculous backdoor cover on Monday night that ruined a whole lot of people's weeks. All of that, very eventful week. But the one thing we've got to hammer right now is last week's game of the week. And that was Dolphins, Jets, leading us into our favorite segment, Poop on the Jets Minute. Bo. It always goes over a minute. It it, it does because (laughs) you give us so much material. So, Bo, let me lead off real quick, if if I may. you got everybody back healthy. You know, this was what could have been. This was hyperdrive. Wait to see the offense with everybody ready to go. This is what if everything had gone right for us and somehow Sam Darnold hadn't gotten mono last year. This is what we were going to see. Three points. First drive. Ain't nothing after that. So a grand total, if you look at the two games between the Dolphins and the Jets this year, final score 44-3. to three. Uh, Really? Hyperdrive? I mean, if you're, if you're the Jets lately, that is hyperdrive, ain't it? What, do you, what were you expecting? What are you looking for? <laughs> but look, I, I think it's a perfect transition into, and I want to ask you what we're calling our new segment, Alex. I think you came up with this. But first, Rob, I know you're a Dolphins fan. You got anything you got to get into? And then I think this transitions well to our, uh, to our new segment. I, I have to be honest. I'm just so excited for this. I, I didn't even see what you were, what you're about to talk about, and you sent it to us the other day, and it it just makes me so happy. More than it makes me happier than the Dolphins winning to just see what I saw when you sent it to me. Yeah, this this honestly, and I watched the entirety of the event in question i will save my judgment to hear what you say as the red as the resident jets fan because mine might be too hurtful i would just say i would just say i like uh i like the ryan fitzpatrick dolphins too he does a good job go fins don't need to rush to a back that's all i got yeah fins up baby let's go lawrence is gonna be big time but look, so so Alex Alex has this new segment for us. I think what are we calling it? Are we calling it what we learned this week? Yeah, your most interest your your biggest thing of the week. Biggest thing of the week. So this week, my biggest thing, unfortunately, is the Jets. And the Jets, as we just discussed, they get wrecked again. That's not notable. That's not the thing. I was hoping we would do this segment before the Jets poop on the Jets minute so I could preempt it, but alas, it was not to be. I have three facts for you from the Jets this week. The first fact, Denzel Mims, rookie, second round. He's the guy. He's what hyperdrive is all about, baby. He has at least 60 yards and at least six receptions in his last three games. He's big time. 
Alex, do you know what other stat he leads the offense in over the last three games? Drop. Tackle. He's oh, tackle in the last three weeks. <laughs> That's fact number one about the Jets. Fact number two, pro football focus has what they call the 90 club. These are guys that had big weeks. We were discussing before the show, we had our research guy on it. There's something in the ballpark of 50 guys in this 90 club every week. They get like a 90 rating from PFF. That means they played well. They do it at every position. It's the objective grading. So there's something like 600 guys have gotten a 90 rating. Because uh, we're in week 12, something like 50 guys every week. We're at a week 12. This week, the Jets get their first 90 grade of the season in Quinn and Williams. 690 rating. One Jet. Quinn and Williams. You got a strip sack this week. So, Jets Twitter blowing up about Quinn and Williams, but don't worry. They were still mostly blowing up about Adam Gates. And that brings me to fact number three about the Jets. Adam Gates. So, Rob, can we can we play NFL like postgame presser soundbites? Uh, maybe not. Maybe, you know, as our, you know, de facto legal counsel, we'll just stray away from that. We won't play any sound bites. If we, are you sure you want to do that to yourself? If we <laughs> figure out that we can do that, I'm going to make it just our permanent intro for the Poop on the Jets minute. And we will oh, listen, that'd be great. We'll listen to the oh. whole thing if we have to. Perfect. We're going to get oh, the legal team on minutes and 26 there. seconds. We're going to get entire But for anybody who didn't listen to it, you have to go listen to the Adam Gates press conference this week. The worst presser of the year, maybe worst presser ever. A reporter asked him, who's calling the play? Gates goes, oh, the offensive coordinator. The reporter goes, well, no, we watched him. He, quote, quote, he wasn't doing anything. That's the quote. He wasn't doing anything. <laughs> And so from there, Gates goes, well, we call the plays. We call three plays ahead of time. Like, what do you expect to be doing? We call three plays ahead of time. And then he sort of trails off because I guess he, like everybody else in the room, realizes that, oh, well, because then we punt. We call three plays, then we punt. So from there, it only gets worse. Highly recommend all of our loyal listeners go check that out as soon as they're done. Hopefully, uh, Hopefully we're done with Gates at the end of the year. I know you said you've got a coach ahead of him on the firing list, but I assure you Jets Twitter does not. So that's my three facts this week on the Jets. Yeah, and it, it, those best. are fantastic. He is just the best guy at a press conference. He didn't seem to really have that big of issues in Miami with him, but ever since he's been ever since he got sketched out and skeezed out at that one was that the intro press conference? Yep. Yes, it was. <laughs> uh, it was meant to be since the beginning, I guess. The flying tacos. This is one where if you've ever seen a crackhead or if you've ever watched Intervention on, what was that, A&E, and the guy's trying to justify why he sold his grandma's silver for meth or crack, that is what 
Adam Gase looked like and sounded like in this press conference. It it was sad. I feel bad for Jets fans. But I also know that you're going to get Trevor Lawrence and you're going to be happy about that and you're going to be rid of Adam Gase anyway. But, dude, how is this guy not institutionalized at this point? I mean, lie upon lie, he can't keep him straight. He's got no clue. He's got no grip on reality. You've got to just burn the whole facility to the ground at this point. Intervention, big sign outside of East Rutherford just as he comes in. And it's like, Adam, hey, we're here because we love you. And your actions have affected us in the following ways. That is the only way the next press conference can go. They may the headline question: Has anybody ever lasted this long doing no poorly? Uh, Hugh Jackson. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Look, they may be happy to get Trevor Lawrence. I don't know if Trevor Lawrence will be happy to be given to him. And another point. I don't think that Adam Gase thinks that he's lying. I think he is just completely clueless. He truly just doesn't know. And this is this is like a crackhead. He's got money, though. He, this guy doesn't need a crack house. He has a crack mansion, just to be clear. No, he does. But he's still stealing somebody else's stuff to buy the crack. We watched him. The he wasn't and doing dreams. anything. And, Bo, I, I messaged you back. My biggest takeaway from that press conference was it legitimately seems like the reporters are not even just doing, like, a non-biased reporter interview anymore. It legitimately seems like these interviewers, either they're just fed up with him not giving actual answers, but they really just sound like pissed-off Jets fans. The media is out to get me. It's fake news. Well, you also said to him, well, we called three plays, and then the offense went out, and then we punted. <laughs> Thank you. I'm, I'm not sure there's much more to say about this. No. Jets. We'll come up with more this week. Thank yeah. you for another amazing <laughs> Poop on the Jets minute. That was a good one. So I'll take a shot at it and go with my number one thing that stood out to me for the weekend. And yeah, I think this might be a little bit more of an obscure one. I was, you know, down uh, in Fort Lauderdale in Florida uh, this weekend with my family watching. Uh, that side of the family went to Florida. Ole Miss game came on after that, so I'm sitting watching with my family watching the Florida game. And this happened in the second quarter, and it's just a string of a Kentucky meltdown. It might have been, you know, just the worst sequence of maybe three minutes in football this year, when you take a look at it overall, I'm sure people have had, you know, bigger losses or like a fumble out of the end zone or a stupid play. But I want to see if there were this many bad plays just strung together in such a short time. So we have to remember that Kentucky was about to go into the half at Florida. Florida, possible playoff team. Kentucky was about to go into the half with a 10 to 7 lead at Florida. It gets to fourth down, 42 seconds left in the half. Kentucky has to punt. Kentucky, very good punter. He's supposed to kick the ball to the left side of the field. Florida has two returners back. 
he kicks it to the right side of the field. The guy who was originally on the left side who where it was supposed to be kicked to fakes a return, just squats down and looks like he's going to catch it. Doesn't signal fair catch or anything because that would have caused all sorts of hell. But he kept, well, he fakes a catch. Meanwhile, on the other side of the field, one of Florida's best receivers already has the ball and is like 30 yards down the field to take it in. They go up 14 to 10 at the half. They score with like 42 seconds left. Kentucky couldn't do anything. So Florida comes back out with the ball. And they get you know, around like the their own 40. And then to the same guy, they give him the ball for a double pass. Wide receiver. He runs all the way across the field. Then he runs halfway across the field again. Then throws across his body to Kyle Pitts on the far right side. And it's like a regular eight-yard gain. It was actually his second read, so, hey, shout-out to the wide receiver hitting the second read on a double pass. This is where it gets fun, though. After that double pass, next play, Kentucky, face mask, 15 yards. Next play, Kentucky, face mask, 15 yards. Next play, defensive pass interference, ball at the two. One play later, Kyle, Tr- Kyle Trask throws a touchdown to Kyle Pitts. So you think, oh, that was a miserable defensive drive. It's over. Then, Kentucky has to come out for the kickoff. Holding on the kickoff. Kentucky gets called for holding. And then, they do nothing with the ball. Fourth down, in their own end zone, they're punting out of, they get a delay of game in their own end zone. Thus ending the worst Kentucky drive of the season I thought that was kind of an obscure one. It was out there, but it was some of the most miserable football that I've seen played by Kentucky, and then there's a reason that Florida kind of pulled away later in that game. Also, Kentucky can't throw the ball, so. Yeah, yikes. Uh, That was a big uh, yikes there. Yeah, I don't know what else to say, Matt. uh, Have you ever seen anything like that? Uh... Not off the top of my head, I can't remember. But I probably have seen some horrendous shit over the years, but that sounded just awful. That like hurt my ears listening to. So I maybe maybe just off the top of my head, I don't think so. So I mean, especially in the SEC, uh, I, I think we've seen it in high school. I, 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 I think I've seen that kind of shit in like Conference USA or like Sun Belt, but definitely not at like the Power Five level. God, I think I saw a ninety-eight yard loss one time. I think that was in, like, a Mississippi State-Louisiana Tech game. Yes, it was. And that's still not as bad. Oh, my God, I remember that play. The 98-yard fumble. Alex would be like, that game's bad, but it's not as bad as the 3-2 to game in 2008. Yeah, that game <laughs> sucked donkey ass. <laughs> I've actually seen it. Like, well, there was one game. It was 6-3 uh, to three or some shit versus South Florida. I think that was like 2011 or 12. It was, I think it was like six to three and it was the ending. I was like, God, that was awful to watch. No, the worst game I ever saw was Dolphin Steelers. Yes, I was about to say that. It would have been late 90s, early 2000s, Monday night in a monsoon in Pittsburgh in Old Three River Stadium. It ended three to nothing and they Dolphins punted, and it went straight up and straight back down, and it plugged 
right there in the middle of the mud. And the ball didn't move. It didn't bounce. It was just a dead ball just right there. That was the worst game I have ever seen in my life. Three to two was very close, though. I hate to break it to you, but that game was in 2007. Dating yourself what? a little bit. And the Dolphins went 0-11 following that, right? Oh, was 7 That yeah. sounds No, there was one before that, I'm sure. Nope. Three to nothing. November 26th. Hey! So, what was that? 2013 years ago? In one week? We missed the anniversary last week. We could have talked about it. We were saving it for this week. Damn, am I off a decade? I don't know. Alex, what do you got, though? Well, going back to the uh, Florida game, the Heisman Trophy chase... Let's be real. It's down to two dudes. It is a two-horse race right now. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, I'm sorry, bud, but you just missed too much time. When you only win one game in a month, there's a big problem, and it's not any of your fault. Um, what, What I did notice, though, was that it seemed like Alabama, with their play calling, saw what Kyle Trask did early in the day and made sure that they called all the plays that would pad Mac Jones's stats so that he would just unequivocally have the lead in the Heisman race. He goes for 302 and five tutters against Auburn and has a 95.5 QBR over the course of the season, which is the best in the country. It's very hard to knock or, or put anybody above that. Kyle Trask is giving it a hell of a shot, though. Uh, I think it's the most touchdowns in SEC history to this point. The first quarterback in U.S. history to throw for at least three touchdowns in eight straight games. The whole damn shooting match is going to come down to the SEC championship and who wins. I think that's who wins the Heisman Trophy. Is who has a better day against the other one? That's what I take away. Uh, from this weekend. I think that's fair. The USA Today weekly survey, weekly Heisman race survey has Kyle Trask ahead of Mac Jones right now by six points. So it's tight. ESPN has him up by two votes. What's the margin of error on this one? Probably two votes. (laughs) On a survey. It doesn't who knows? We just made up. We could do one in our freaking podcast. Yeah, okay. Well, let's do one right now. Out of out of the four of us Jack right Wilson now. That's my one. <laughs> I'm taking Trask. I'm not voting for someone good. named McCorkle Jones. I think I've got to Trask <laughs> as well. Mac Jones' weapons are just insane. Over yeah, I, I, I... Matt, who you got? Oh, sorry. I was... <laughs> Um, I got probably Kyle Trask. I mean, even though uh, it's hard to say, though, I think it's going to come down to, as you said, the SEC championship game. But I just think it ends up just being the Q. Kind of sucks how the Heisman race is just a you know QB stats game or just a QB MVP. If it was a QB MVP, Florida wouldn't be shit without like Kyle Trask. Um, I think I think the uh, Bryce Young at Alabama would do pretty well if they didn't have Mac Jones. So I don't know. Kind of hard to say. 
I think I probably put Trask up there though. I think this, I think this is awesome though because you know, it's a rematch. It's going to be a rematch of the original SEC championship game. What was that? Ninety three and and it's going to be you know whoever wins that game pretty much wins the Heisman in a COVID or in a you know pandemic shortened season where you're only playing in conference what are are the odds that the top two Heisman finals are going to have to play each other in a conference championship game well not only that let's just address the fact that neither one of the two Heisman candidates who will finish one two are the best players on their team. Straight up, not even close. True. You know, Devontae Smith at Alabama. Najee Harris is better. There are probably nine guys on that offense better than Mac Jones. You arguably have the best player in college football in Kyle Pitts at Florida on that offense, and he had missed, what, two, three games, and Kyle Trask was still able to do a hell of a lot. But, no, this is what the Heisman is. It's a quarterback popularity contest. And we'll see who wins the SEC championship in Atlanta. That's who uh, goes to New York and, you know, virtually accepts the trophy. Remember. the skill position, guys. But, like, I think Alabama has two or three offensive linemen that are projected first-round picks, I think. Oh, yeah. Underscore that. Yeah, I mean, it's. Like, how much easier is it to put up the numbers he puts up with all? Infinitely. Remember, Bama had Mark Ingram win the Heisman, and he wasn't even the best running back on that team. He wasn't even the best at his position. It was Trent Richardson. Yeah, Trent Richardson was an absolute monster that year and obviously did nothing in the pros, but he at Pensacola High, you know, beat a lot of Emmett Smith's records and Emmett is the best, you know, you know, has the highest rushing total in NFL history. So, you know, take that for what it's, for what it's worth. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. No, it's going to be an interesting Heisman season. All right. Last but not least, Auburn Matt, what was your biggest takeaway from the weekend? Well, we touched on the Michigan State stuff. I thought that was pretty remarkable, you know, what's happened in the last you – know, them knocking off Northwestern after getting killed by Indiana and Iowa. Um, it's just most of what I was going to talk about was just the coaching stuff, but we already know all that. Harbaugh and, you know, um, Herman are gone. I mean, most, most people consensus is that. I will say this. I don't really understand why everybody hypes up A&M so much. I mean, after I watched them versus LSU, and just Mon just played awful. It was just so hard to watch. I don't understand how every year they hype them up. Maybe this year they're like actually doing all right, but I just don't understand why they always hype them up. Maybe it's just like a Jimbo Fisher thing, or they have good boosters, good like um, just like I guess because they're the they're the branch Davidians of college football. People are fascinated by them. I was kind of curious what y'all think about that. Well, I mean, they beat Florida. You know, that's yeah, that's the simple fact. Granted, they got dog walked by Bama, but. They beat Florida, who right now looks as good as Notre Dame does. They look almost as good as Clemson does. I, I It's just the fact that they're a one-loss team in a year that is messed the hell up. That's why A&M's up there. 
and I know you and I have spoken about this off air and we've even talked about it on here. If you put those teams on a neutral field, who are we taking? BYU or A&M? I think all of us here are going to take BYU. I don't think that's a a real stretch here. I think Cincinnati would give A&M a run, but the reality is they've got the quality wins. BYU has the eye test. That's why A&M is ranked ahead of everybody. I guess my, more of my question was, it's like every year they do that. And every year they almost always go eight and five, except for this year. And it's just kind of, I don't, I don't get it, but that's just me. Uh, I mean, they're in the toughest division in college football. And yeah, when you run into a buzzsaw, like has been going on the last couple of years with Bama always being good with Auburn jumping up and getting somebody every other year and LSU last year being, you know, arguably the second best team in college football history. What do you expect from them? And they went on the road to Clemson and lost to Clemson at home in the last two years. So where do you see more than nine wins each year? What they're doing is exactly what they should do. Yeah, I guess you're right. It just seems a little strange with the media. I feel like the media has more bias towards them than other teams. I don't know. Well, because it's Texas and it's the SEC, and they're trying to capture East, East Texas. That's yeah. That's that's. I think that I think, I think that probably it's it's over. a recruiting it's a recruiting ploy by the yeah. SEC. They want them to be good so bad, and they just yeah. don't get over yeah. the hump. No, I mean, what is it? Uh. Kevin Sumlin just never he was he had one good year with Johnny Football and that was it and they went like they would win five games in a row and they would lose like they would go and then they would finish the year like eight and five or worse so I don't know and then Ole Miss same too Ole Miss should have beaten A and M both of those years if it weren't for fourth quarter comebacks by Johnny Manziel that wasn't a Kevin Sumlin thing yeah Johnny Manziel thing they should have had losses there too. Yeah, if they didn't, I guess they were saying if uh, Johnny Manziel, if he beat Florida, they would have been in the national championship race. But then they did still did lose to LSU, so I don't know. That's that's kind of just what stood out to me was just the, the A&M bias and all that kind of stuff. But that's it. So we'll take it into the NFL this week, run through some picks. First game up, Saints at Falcons. Saints minus three, over under of 46 points. Oh, that might, well, I guess with Taysom Hill back there, it's going to be a little lower on the Saints side. Falcons lit it up this past week, though. I'll take the Saints. I don't think the Falcons are going to be able to do it two weeks in a row. I'm the same way. I I just don't see that being a repeat performance. Uh, minus three, just doesn't seem like the right line. Got to take the point. Yeah. The Raiders' defense just blows, and I think that kind of explains how the Falcons blew them out. Give me the Saints in three here. I'll uh, I'll take that, but I want no part of the over. Yeah, I'll take the Saints at uh, three as well. Next up, the Bengals at the Dolphins. Joe Burrowless. Bengals, Dolphins minus 11 at home, over under of 42. Oh, that's kind of sad, but I think I definitely might take the under 
in that game. Um, but I would take the Dolphins to cover as well. Two is not back, is he, Alex? Up in the air right now. Okay. Yeah, leave him out. Let's get out of there, you know, with a a twenty four to three win or something like that, similar to a similar to the Jets game. I think that's what it's gonna be. Yeah, I mean the Bengals have lost two games in a row to you know, uh NFC East teams. That kinda of tells you all you need to know. I mean five thirty eight says that uh Fitzpatrick is the better quarterback anyway. Um I don't think it even matters who's under center. I'm taking the Dolphins in this one. Yeah, right now Fitzy is the better quarterback and he is going to walk like an Egyptian back into the end zone. But there's no way in hell the Dolphins are covering eleven. And I I'm with you, Rob. I like the under here. I don't see a lot of points. I see defense. Give me the Dolphins money line and the under. I'm going to take the Dolphins on this one too. It's always good to see Fitz magic when it happens. But, you know, it's it's, it's, sort, of, it's sort of interesting with him though because he plays great as a backup. Starter. It's sort of like, eh. I don't know. I don't know, how, I don't know why that is. Maybe he just like wants to prolong his career. That's what, that's what some conspiracy theorists say, but I don't know. It still pisses me off that the Giants didn't cover against the Bengals last week. Was it 19-17 to 17 final? Yeah, that sucked. That's a prime 2000s Dolphins-type score. I knew better than to bet on the Giants minus 5.5 against anyone, but they were due. But apparently, and like, the... Everybody's going to see that East pick now. They were due, like, the Washington Generals. Were hey, right now, they are the four seed in the NFC. They beat Wrap the your heads around that. Two, and they're everybody's picked to win the NFC East. The NFC is bad. It's bad. But look at the Giants' schedule. I know we're talking about games this week. I'm sorry for getting us off track. No, 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 no. I agree with where you're going. They play the NFC East. (laughs) No, they they have one game against the NFC East, and then they just get railroaded by decent teams. Their schedule is brutal for an NFC East team the rest of the way. I don't see them getting that sixth and crucial win to win the division. I actually am picking the Cowboys right now. They got a game against the Bengals still. They got two games against the NFC East. They have by far the easiest schedule left. So even though they're in last with three wins, I actually think they have the easiest path to get to that sixth win when the NFC East. That's my bold projection. They'll manage to fuck it up. Any NFC East team that's playing a team with more than three wins is playing a rough schedule for them. I'll leave it at that. Into another kind of who cares realm of this. Lions and Bears, no one cares. Oh, my. Oh, my. I don't, <laughs> I don't even have the spread on that one. I think Alex was going to look it up. No, I don't care. Give it the give it the interim coach bump. I don't think we've said that. Matt Patricia has been fired, but that was a that was a win for the fair people of Detroit this past week. Uh Whatever it is, give me the bump on it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Hammer the bump. Interim, I don't even know who the hell the interim coach is, but I'll take it against the Bears. They're playing Mitch Trubisky. Yeah. All right. Go Lions. 
I'm still skeptical on the bump, but I think we learned enough about the Bears this past week that I can still comfortably take the Lions. Says the man who took them to beat the Texans. Hey, man, I just need DeAndre Swift back for my fantasy playoffs. That's it. You and me both, brother. You and me both. <laughs> I have All Will right. four, so I got to replace Oh, I do too. Somewhere. Dude, we have the same damn team, and it, I, I don't want to talk about it. I'm the two seed. I've locked that shit up. Moving on. <laughs> the surprising brownies at the Titans, who just absolutely curb stomped the Indianapolis Colts. Titans minus five and a half at home. Over under 54. Gee, Rob, this one feels like there might be some points just because we don't know how much the Titans can put up. Yeah, and you talked about with A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry being, you know, one of the best, you know, one-two combos. Well, it really is the only person that Ryan Tannehill has the seems to be the physical ability to throw to, so he better be. But I I hate the Titans. <clears throat> Piss me off that they beat the Colts. Give me the nine and three, the soon to be nine and three Cleveland Browns. Man, that was weird to hear that. <laughs> it's also not true. It's also a lie, Rob. Don't lie to the listeners. I've been picking the Tennessee Titans all year through the ups and downs. This week was a big up. I think they stay up. The Browns, the Browns. Here's a stat on the Browns. The Browns are eight and three, but they have a negative point differential. I don't even know how you achieve that, but they're not winning this game against the also eight and three Titans. And I think the Titans are covering. Oh, I completely agree with you. And every time I want, every time I think the Titans win, they lose. And every time I think they're going to lose, they win. I want the Browns, so I am going to pick the Titans minus five and a half, and I'm going to take the over. I'm going to take the Browns on this one, and I'm going to take the over. There we go, Auburn, Matt. Good pick. Coming in to – oh, and just by the way, that Lions-Bears spread was Bears minus three. If anyone at home wants to take that themselves – Whammy on the line. Oh, Oh, yeah. Raiders got blown out by the Falcons, but have beaten the Chiefs. And then the Jets, who have been blown out by about everybody and will never beat the Chiefs. Raiders minus eight on the road in New Meadowlands, over under 47. Is this the week? I say no, and I also say that they do not cover. And give me the under. I agree with that. Um, I don't know what the heck happened with the Raiders last week. I think it was anomalous. I don't think it continues. I do think it's pulling down the spread. Makes it really easy for me to pick the Raiders in this one. Yeah, I got I to gotta side with that. I, there's not much more to say. This is just a terrible game. 
Yeah, I'm gonna pick the Raiders on this one, and I'm gonna pick the over. It's gonna, it's gonna, they're gonna kill them. Sorry, Bo. Well, be true. Raiders are a playoff team, man. Colts at the Texans, pretty much a must win for Indianapolis. The Colts are favored by three over under 51 and a half. I will say though that ever since they got rid of maybe the least pleasant man in football, Bill O'Brien, they've been they've been a little bit on the up, much to the dismay of Dolphins fans as they are trying to take that future first round pick this coming year out of the top 10 as the Texans keep winning. Not a fan of that. I need the Colts to win this game. But I think Houston gets them, actually. Must-win situation, and I think that's the perfect time for Phillip Rivers to have a meltdown. Yeah, this is an easy one to me. Give me the Colts. Really? Because, I, Rob, I completely agree with you. I think this is perfect uh, Rivers meltdown territory. And as Dolphin fans, whenever we need something to happen outside of our control, it doesn't. Houston's going to end up winning and screwing us. So... Give me plus three. Give me Deshaun Watson and the Texans and the under. A fun game out on the West Coast that I most likely will not be able to see because they only show the NFC East in South Florida other than the Dolphins game. The Rams at the Cardinals. Rams minus three on the road over under 48 and a half. Give me the Rams. I don't know about the over-under. I think that's right where it's going to be. Where's it at? Three? Rams minus three on the road. Yeah, I think I think I got to take the Cardinals if you're laying any points. I think this will be a really, really close one. Yeah, I don't – like, clearly the Cardinals have not looked stellar the last couple of weeks. I think they come back and they look a bit better now that they're playing at home instead of on the road. Yeah, this is an anecdotal evidence pick game. The Cardinals only play well against the NFC West. So I'll take them at home plus three, but the Rams absolutely have to have this proceeding. The Cardinals have to have it to even have a chance at the playoffs. Cardinals plus three. Taking it. I'm going to take Cardinals plus three, and then I'll take the over. Okay, then we'll move into the two Monday night games. First one up, Washington football team at the now 11-0 Pittsburgh Steelers. Have a have a slight thought that they are going to get to 12-0 on that one in Alex's fun line of the week. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much we can trust these. They, there was not a line when he made these notes, but after that, Vandy. Yeah, won. because they hadn't played their first. <laughs> they hadn't played the last game, jackass. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is set at Pittsburgh minus nine and a half now. Is what I'm seeing live as we're recording. So that has to be the opening line. It's yeah, Steelers minus nine and a half at home. Yeah, I I agree with that. I like Washington plus nine and a half there. Not not by any you know uh, great faith in the Washington offense or defense. I just don't think that the Steelers are going to be up for another game in five days. You know, 
take the opponent here on short rest. I guess that's the best argument you can make for sure. But the Steelers are averaging near 12 points a game margin of victory. And they've done that against much better teams than Washington. So to me, this is an easy pick to take Pittsburgh. You're right. It adds like a layer. The Alex Smith, ball control offense. But if you if you play a Sunday game and then you're playing and then you're playing a Thursday game, you're going on four days rest. Don't try to use math here. Good point. <laughs> yeah, this is this is an easy pick to me. Take the Steelers. This line's going to get jacked up by the time uh, the game rolls around. Maybe even. Yeah, that's why if you can get Washington now at nine and a half, hammer it because it's going to go over ten. Yeah, I think I'm going to take the Steelers on this one. But um, it's kind of hard to say for me as well. Quite an interesting matchup here with no one circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills being two and a half point favorites at the San Francisco 49ers in the Giant Toaster in Glendale, Arizona. San Francisco not allowed to finish the season in Santa Clara. Big booze all around for them, so they will be the Arizona or Glendale 49ers. There was talk of them becoming the San Diego 49ers, which I was all supportive supportive of, or I thought they should have threw them in San Antonio and have them play in the Alamo, uh, in the Alamo Dome. But Bills minus two and a half, technically on the road. Over under of 48. I don't know how San Francisco is going to respond to be to playing a home game in Arizona. I guess it's just a neutral site game. The Bills kind of need this win, too. Yeah, I feel bad for the, the Niners this year. I mean, they've had like a really tough schedule, but they also just haven't taken care of business at times when they needed to lost to the Eagles earlier in the year. Um, I mean, I at the end of the day, the Bills are probably a slightly better team, but I do think two and a half is probably about the right line. Uh, I could see the Bills winning this by a field goal. So if you're... If I have to make a pick at this line, I'm probably taking the Bills, but it's really tight. Niners are going to win this game outright. I have nothing to base that on other than pure hope, but I, I think now that they have a healthy running game, at least with Raheem Mostert back, I like the Niners here to hold the Bills accountable and win the game. I'm going to take the Bills, and I'll take the under. Alex, I'm pleased how many differences of opinion we had this week. I know. Last week, hey, last week when we agreed, we did pretty well. So that was also kind of terrifying. For the first time in, what, 10 weeks, it actually worked. (laughs) And just before before we go into college picks – I did want to mention something that we that we didn't cover uh, on the NFL this past week. There was, this past week, David Moore of the Seattle Seahawks had three receptions for negative six yards and a touchdown. How many times have you seen that? That was just a stat that I wanted to throw out there. Dying. Point week. 
<laughs> also, uh, that Denver uh, Saints game only had 10 completions between its 75 total passing yards. But we'll move on from that on to college. Friday night. Friday night fun belt. This is a game, another game that I would love to go to. I said I would love to go to Coastal and Liberty. This time, Louisiana Lafayette coming in ranked at App State. This is a regular fun belt, you know, conference championship game. Like any, I think that every time that they've had their conference championship game, it hasn't been that many years, but it's always going to be App State and Lafayette in this or playing for it. App State unranked, going up against number 25 in the nation. App State at home, at the Rock, minus two and a half, over under 52. I've watched a few Lafayette games this year, and their offense, they, Billy Napier in them, they like to run the ball. So I'm tempted to take the under. Give me App State. I think App State rebounds after their coastal loss from a couple weeks ago. They need to stay up there in the fun belt. Give me the Mountaineers minus two and a half. And man, in the fun belt, it is so hard to say that you're going to take an under. So give me the over. I think uh, Louisiana Lafayette looked pretty good this year. I mean, they only lost by three to Coastal. They put up a lot of points for the most part. There was 57 points in that particular game. Give me the over. Give me Louisiana Lafayette. Yeah, Lafayette has beaten the crap out of Iowa State, who beat Oklahoma and Texas. They should win by every measure of this game, which is why App State will defend the Rock, and App State will win this in cover. Give me the Raging Cajuns. Let's go. He's like a red man. Better than a mountaineer. <laughs> Let's go. They're probably probably my favorite two G5 teams. I really have to say so. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe like SMU up there, but I'd probably say Louisiana, Lafayette, and App State are my two favorite group of five teams. I have seen a video of Georgia Southern students burning an App State jersey screaming, fuck App State. That was a pretty good video. And they burn a couch, I think, like uh, West Virginia does, too. And actually, Michigan State burns a couch when they make the Elite Eight and Final Four. So, Who is this? don't do it as good as Morgantown. So. Who is this? Yeah, nobody, no, I, don't think, I don't think anybody in the country parties as hard as Morgantown in recent years. Uh, the videos I've seen is just incredible. Who is also trying to burn couches? What school? So, Michigan State burns a couch when they make the Elite Eight and Final Four. I've seen plenty of videos of it. Oh. But no, you said like Georgia State burned. Oh no, Georgia Southern they burned an App State jersey, and like these kids on campus were doing it, screaming "fuck App State." I think it was an off-campus housing or something. But this, that, I saw a video of out outside of somebody's house that they were looking out their window, and they saw these these like fraternity dudes just like burning a jersey that had App State on it. Well, I do respect some people that go to Georgia Southern a lot more than Georgia State, but I'm like, that's a slow Tuesday in Wetumpka. Moving on. Yeah, when you want to get to the real, like, Georgia trash, talk to, like, the Kennesaw State people, then you're talking. Oh, my God. Whose couch do they burn? Just, don't, don't matter. 
doesn't matter, I guess. I don't give a fucking what in Morgantown. I've been a part of a fair amount of couch burnings, and sometimes you just have to find other people's couches. Uh, Bo, I hope you know that uh, one of our roommates from Ole Miss, I, we gave it a very, very greasy couch burning. I think you know exactly what I'm talking about. You didn't want to sit on that couch anymore. But I digress. Moving into the best group of five game of the year, I just mentioned that Lafayette and App State were my favorite two G5 teams. This is by far the best G5 game of the year. We might get two of the best G5 games of the year, you know, with that Lafayette-App State game. And then this, Liberty, Hugh Freeze at Coastal Carolina. Coastal minus 10.5, 54.5 over under. I don't see how you're going to have Liberty losing by double digits. I think Coastal wins, but I don't think Liberty's going to lose by double digits. I agree. I wouldn't change a word of what you said. Give me Liberty. Uh, I'll take the point. I want no part of the spread of 10.5, but give me Liberty and Coastal or give me death. Give me the over at 54.5. Yeah, I'll take the over as well. Okay, then we move into the SEC. Fortunately, Ole Miss is off. Mississippi State is off. The Egg Bowl took it all out of them. Number right, five. Good for you guys. Good number you. five. They've deserved a rest. Number five, A and M, seven point favorites at Auburn. Auburn coming off a bad loss to Bama in the Iron Bowl. Over under forty nine. Bonix plays so much better at home. Gus Malzahn's offense pisses me off, though, every time that I have to watch it. It makes it harder to watch Auburn games now because it should be so much better. It pisses you off. Shit, you yeah. haven't even <laughs> shit. Man, give me give me A and M minus seven. Like I'm an Auburn fan. I don't want to say that, but I don't think Auburn keeps up with them. Yeah, I want to pick. Auburn so bad in this game. I just think A&M is yeah, but you gotta take A&M. Sorry guys. No, you absolutely have to. And talk about heart versus head. My heart, I can never pick against my my boys, my Tigers, and I never will. I will in my heart of hearts go into that game believing that we can win. Do I think objectively that we will? Absolutely the hell not. And I think A&M beats the living tar out of it. I don't actually see that, though, because A&M's played really shitty last couple of weeks. I don't know. I'm going to pick – I'm actually going to pick Auburn to win this one. A&M hasn't really played in the last few weeks. They've had games canceled. And didn't you take Auburn outright against Bama? I did. All right, so you're on the rebound, hopefully. But go Tigers. Talking about another set of Tigers, the less fun ones, not even the second best Tigers in the SEC. Arkansas at Missouri. Missouri minus three at home, over under 51.5. Give me the fighting Sam Pittmans. Missouri's up for a letdown game after not giving up a point to Vanderbilt. Talk about a game I have trouble caring about. I agree. <laughs> I think I'll take Missouri. Yeah, I like Mizzou in the over here. They have beaten a lot of folks that they shouldn't. And 
Yeah, they're putting up points when they shouldn't, too. So I'll take Mizzou and the over. The, the battle line rivalry, which I don't know why they made this one the rivalry weekend normally compared to, wasn't it like Missouri playing A&M? Kind of like how Arkansas played South Carolina or LSU. I don't really get that. But I'm going to take the Truman Tigers in this one. Give me the minus three and the over. All right. Then number six, Florida, minus 17 and a half at Tennessee, over under 61 and a half. I know this is a rivalry game. It is so weird. I was talking to uh, a Tennessee alum earlier today about this. It's so weird to see Florida, Tennessee at the end of the year. Tennessee does get them at home, but I mean, if if we can, if we're gonna have any trust in Florida playing Alabama for an SEC championship, any semblance of keeping that game close, Florida needs to beat Tennessee by seventeen and a half. Tennessee is poo, like they are terrible. I don't like the over at sixty one and a half either. I could definitely see this game being like thirty-four to ten. Yeah, I largely agree with that. Tennessee's last game was a loss to Auburn. Sorry, guys, that tells me all I think I need to know about Tennessee. I have Florida win this one by probably about twenty-one. So maybe, maybe not the twenty-four that you got, Rob. But I'm taking the under, and I'm taking Florida. Yeah, first mention of the Garantano turnover monster making its reappearance. Uh, you could have told me that the line was 29 and a half, and I would have taken Florida. Anything under 30, I'm taking the Gators here. That defense, too good. Offense, too explosive. And, Rob, I completely agree. I think if the over hits, it's going to be all Florida. I would take the under probably 45 to 7. Speaking of the turnover monster, Jared Garantano, was, wasn't he like rated, rated the number one dual threat quarterback outside of high school? And he's just awful. I don't see how that's a Tennessee thing. He just was, he just didn't live up to the hype or that's just like terrible, um, slight coaching or whatever. I don't know. But I'm going to take Florida this one. They're going to win big. So I'm going to take the over. Really coming into the who cares about this game, we know what's going to happen. I did check and see the spread. It's it's Georgia minus 35 and a half. Alex said forget the spread, but Vandy at Georgia. Vandy lost 41 to nothing to Missouri. JT Daniels could be the answer at Georgia, but let's forget about the spread. And Alex, you put on our notes, does Sarah Fuller score? I will take that one step backwards and say does Vanderbilt do enough to get her on the field for an actual kick? I'm going to say yes. I, I think that Georgia somehow screws up. You know, they botch a snap and Vandy hops on one and somehow backs their way into a field goal or a scoop and score scenario where she kicks an extra point. I'm going to say over under half a point Sarah Fuller, give me the over. I would love to agree with you guys. For starters, if they can't get in field goal range last week, I see no reason against Georgia that they can. 
Secondly, I was seeing today that they're talking about bringing back Riley Guai, who was their kicker last year. Um, I, I don't know how to pronounce that name, but, but whatever the guy's name is. Talking about bringing him back, I'm not even sure. Sarah Fuller, our reigning SEC special team player of the week, is going to be kicking this week. Um, I wish she was. I wish she was going to be hitting a field goal this week. I, I doubt she is, to be perfectly blunt. That's what we were talking about, right? I mean, the yeah. game's irrelevant. No, no, the game's irrelevant. But if you gave me, like, plus 800 on Sarah scoring a point, I'm hammering it. Oh, yeah, I'd take, I'd take plus 800. What's, yeah. <laughs> what's that other guy been doing, though? Working at okay. Arby's or something? They, they had to call him up, or... He, he went 22 for 23 last year. He is Arby. <laughs> <laughs> Where did he, he go? eligibility issues. He's the, only, he's the only player on Vanderbilt with eligibility issues is the kicker. I just feel bad for I just feel bad for Vanderbilt. I don't know. They, they had their coach fired. The identity politics are having these players opt out. It's just – I just feel bad for them. I, mean, I don't know. I feel like she's not going to score, though. And I don't think that Vanderbilt has a prayer in this game against Georgia. So, I don't know. <laughs> I say I take the plus 800, too, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's the smart pick. But, Bo, that's new knowledge to me. And also, Georgia's defense, better than Missouri's. So, like you said, if they weren't getting out there on the field against Missouri, they're not getting out there on the field against Georgia, so even if she were to hypothetically kick, no. Second to last game, this man, this would be a perfect Raycom Sports or Jefferson Pilot noon game uh, from the 2000s. South Carolina at Kentucky. Kentucky at home, minus 11.5, over under 48. I'm taking that under. Kentucky only likes to run the ball. And I don't think South Carolina can score. And Kentucky was able to hold Florida to just seven points in one half. So I think that's a good sign for them. Give me South Carolina to cover minus 11 and a half. But this is a miserable game that no one wants to watch. If this is the six o'clock game, or if this is a late SEC game, I'll have to check it. That's just a crying shame because this screams, oh God, it's 730 at night. This screams 12 p.m. Eastern. This is what this game should be, and it should be on Jefferson Pilot. I agree with most of your logic, Rob, but I end up coming out a different direction on it. Um, I, I'm taking Kentucky in this one, just think South Carolina is South Carolina, and I'm taking the under as well. Yeah, garbage points in Bratislava, where this game is basically going to be played. It's going to look gray and miserable and crappy like Eastern Europe. Give me Kentucky minus 11 and a half, and I'll take the under. This game's going to end like 21 to 6. Well, then, well, Georgia played Kentucky, and I think it wasn't that like 14 to 3 or something. That was a pretty yeah. miserable one, too. But this looking at this, South Carolina and Kentucky, it's like, oof. God, maybe this is like women's basketball or something, but hell no. Um, I'm going to take Kentucky minus 11 and a half, and I'm going to take the under as well. South Carolina will either score 10 or 13 points. There is no other score that they will make. <laughs> so I'm calling, it, I'm calling so it there accurate, in such a 
now depressingly named Stadium Kroger Field instead of Commonwealth Stadium. But last game on the SEC, and then we'll get out of here. Number one, Alabama at LSU. Bama minus 29.5, over under 67.5. LSU was able to put up a fight and get that win against Arkansas. But I think Bama just comes out with a vengeance. I think Bama's pissed off. If it, Is Saban back at this point? Has he been able to test out, or is that a 10-day now? Is that a 14-day? I honestly He will know. be back. Nick Saban has not missed a game since it was either 1978 or 1973 when he was a grad assistant at Kent State, where he played. Saban is going to be back. He had some things that he was yelling at the TV about that he didn't like. He's going to whip the Bama boys into shape, and they are going to beat LSU by more than 30. I agree. I even, and then I think Alabama comes close to topping this over-under on their own. They won't top that over-under, but they'll come close. They'll score near 60, I think. Uh, give me Alabama and give me the over. Hey, uh, to all my friends and family on the great state of Louisiana, go Tigers, but shit, y'all are going to get your dicks kicked in. This is going to be bad. <laughs> Bama minus 29 and a half. It's, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure LSU is going to get their shit pushed in. It's not going to be good. I think I saw the 247 sports model. That one doesn't account for turnover margin, but I don't think that's going to matter in this one as much. Uh, they had Alabama winning by 32. It's like minus 32 points is what they had. So, uh, yeah, I think it's like free money at this point. So just pick Alabama minus 29 and a half and take the over. Unless something, unless something weird happens, which, you know, it always could, but – Good shot, good shot to just take the take the over. If they did account for turnover margin, wouldn't that help Bama? Yeah, probably in this case, but yeah. who knows? So that seems like a good good a reason as any. Next week, come back. Everyone come back with their favorite random, the most random stat or random thing that could have happened since Saban last missed a game. 1973, I just checked it. And we'll see what we can come up with. Other than that, though, I think that's about all we had on the college slate. Moving forward into the next two weeks, that's going to be an interesting one for us here. I will be on the road in Oxford, Mississippi. Bo, I was going to see you there. I'm not so sure that I will. There was the very, very, very slight possibility that Bo and I and the gang could have gotten a weekend show off where I could have been in the same room as Bo. Very sad that I most likely will not be able to see Bo coming up. But we'll still be bringing an episode the next two weeks. It might just be a little bit different format. We might have Alex in here running the sound. I'll be on most likely a headset instead of my mic. We'll see how that all goes, but we'll get everything out to you. Final thoughts for everybody? Alex? Yeah, I've got one that is very near and dear to our hearts, as we have seen a number of games in the Citrus Bowl, and Auburn is kind of projected to end up in Orlando. 
Ole Miss at one point was projected to a bowl game there as well. Uh, for anybody who's ever been to Central Florida, you have to know that it is just covered with bats. So my 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 question is to the group, and Rob, you got to help me on eliminating weaponry. If you were charged with eradicating the bats in a stadium, and I understand their purpose, and I I appreciate the bats in reality, but hypothetical situation, you've got to kill all of these bats. What is your weapon if you cannot use a gun, a net, or anything involving electricity? Yes, those those were the selections, and yes, I agree with you that I understand the they purpose. They do eat bugs. I do understand the purpose of bats, but I don't think I know of one purpose for them to be in the Citrus Bowl. So I'm, I'm. I mean that that game was filled with bats, dude. Yeah, Florida, Florida, Miami to open the year in Week Zero last year, and I'm standing at the it was beer 105 hut. degrees and covered in bats. You see me running down the concourse in front of a swarm of bats. It is a very serious issue here. We definitely wanted to get Bo and Auburn Matt's take, so I'll let I'll let you two go first. I think that over the weekend, and I this somehow came as a result of the post Egg Bowl call in show uh, for the Ole Miss group. So this kind of spurred from that. We have a few very good options, and I want to see if you all would come up with the same ones. I assume Bo is not going to be entirely happy that we asked this question, and that's why I want to hear his answer the most. This show has, like, completely lost it. We opened with wings, and now we're talking about bats? Like, I don't even know if I understood the question. Wings. Eliminating bats. Wings are a very big part of football, and then bats are, sadly, a large part of, like, four bowl games at least four bowl games that are played at the Citrus Bowl. Well, I mean, everybody else gets to go to a bowl game, so why can't the Bats go to a bowl game, too? We can live, live not, I don't know, call somebody. That's, that's, that's my You are the guy. Life. You're the guy who is called. I'm the guy they call? Yeah, oh, but you cannot geez. use a net, a gun, or anything electric. And you're... That's an internal, right? Nothing electric, though? Uh... Yeah, nothing electric. How flammable is this stadium? Uh, it is, it is made, made of, of concrete. Yeah, it is made of solid concrete. I'm thinking we're gonna just have to use some sort of some sort of flame type item. Man, that is that is hey, that is one of the correct there. answers. Hey, gay! Great job, Bo. That is oh, one right. correct answer. My first idea was like a light, but I don't, you know, no electricity. A light. Yeah, well, they're nocturnal, right? So if you just no, he's using them, a light break. You're just gonna piss them off if you make it <laughs> light in there. I don't know, man. So I got fire though. So you know what? Let's go back to that Auburn matchup. Uh, well, my first thought was you just like burn them with like napalm or just like some kind of flamethrower. But I guess that counts as a gun. So, but that was one of the right answers, I guess. If I had to think about it. I would say, like, smoke them out. Like, that's kind of how you would get a lot of animals out of areas if you just, like, out, like, smoke the whole area where they can't breathe and then they run away. That's usually the best way to get rid of bats is to try to somehow just make them just go away. 
I'd say glue boards is the other thing where, you know, they, you put like that, like kind of glue paper or something, they stick to it. That's how like, that's how they can die or whatever, or at least, you know, that's how you're able to get rid of them. The best way, the best way to get rid of bats is to make them go away. Yes. (laughs) Or put them in glue traps. We're going to stick them to the ceiling. Then they're never going to go away. Yeah, either we stick them here or we uh, make them go away. One of those two things will work. Like poison's like really bad, a bad way to get rid of them. So yeah, but you can't do that on game day. Yeah, that's true. Ooh, uh, what, they, what do they eat? They eat like uh, flies or something. Yeah, bugs. Like, is there a way to like put the poison in the bug? And apparently, like my pretzel eat? that I got in section two thirty one, but <laughs> it smelled like a turkey leg. That was a Papa John's pizza. Yeah, it was. I would say I was going to go with shovel or metal rake. Because you're aiming to kill. You're not looking to stun or just make them leave. This is, you're aiming to kill. Uh, I like the tried and true shovel method, but a rake, if it's heavy enough and you can swing it, you might be able to get that. I also thought of pitchfork or trident, but let me stick with metal rake. They hang from the ceiling. Can you reach that high in a football stadium? With a big ass ladder, you can. When they were when they were running at the top. When they were running after me with my pretzel and beer, I didn't have to reach the ceiling. Now, did I? <laughs> also true. Aside from bow and the flamethrower. I think I have found the right answer to this, and that is hand grenade. God. You just cook one, and you hold on to it for a little bit, and then you toss it, and then you hide behind the nacho cart, and use that as cover, and then just blow them out of there. Well, I, I think hand grenade it. might be the way to go here. That'll just destroy the structure, though, won't it? Yeah, like, no, it's a... I believe in the good engineers that built the Citrus Bowl. They did just they redo it a few years ago, but it is still a dump. It can, oh, it is. It can I think I got there. I yeah. think I think I'm. I, I've decided who I'm calling. I'm calling Adam Gates because to me, this just screams Caddyshack and the guy like trying to get rid of that uh, the gopher or whatever on the golf course. And if somebody was going to reprise that role for the football rendition with that, I think it has to <laughs> he be. He does. He does. Oh my god! You're right. He does. Look he has like the it. eyes. Yeah. It's all. Oh, if you have the eyes from the press conference, and he from his initial press conference. Oh, that's there's bats everywhere in the role of a lifetime. Adam Gase as Bill Murray in Caddyshack 2, or Caddyshack 3, filled with bats. Has nothing to do with golf. Get him one of those floppy hats. Uh, That's the the absolute worst way we finish an episode ever. I I just hate that. (laughs) And that's why I wanted to hear your answer first. And it gave me the entertainment that I needed Tonight. You know, I forgot. Yeah, this all is about, why it didn't make the production meeting. I forgot all about my bad day just because <laughs> of Bo over here. But other than that, I have nothing else. We'll figure out how this is going to go for the next two weeks while I'm in Mississippi and everyone else is figuring out their 
Christmas plans. I'm going to ask one last time, non-bat related, does anything, does anyone have anything else to say before we go? For me, it's good night, everyone. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you have any other ideas for how to get rid of bats from a stadium, please email us or text us or, more importantly, the Citrus Bowl. Or tweet it. We're definitely getting sued. <laughs> doing more tweets. They've got bigger issues than suing us. They should be getting rid of the bats. Oh, there's that. I think silence is golden at that point, so I think that's all we have. Thank you, everyone.